Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about building disappointing piecemeal Frankensteins with no bones. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. Today we'll be talking about playbooks, playsets, city hubs, and other game design elements that push the playbook technology forward. I had, oh my god, so on Saturday, the, the some, time Notion went down, someone filed a complaint against Notion, which uses a .so uh, top-level domain, okay. which is owned by the country of Somalia, and okay. so they, like other company, like other, other countries or other places that own uh, top level domains handle like everyone gets to handle their complaints uh, differently, and so Somalia yeah. just pulled <laughs> Notion's domain. That's like, what happened. Just no, no questions, no uh, like no strikes, just one strike, and they pulled the domain. And oh, that's so, so funny. The people <laughs> like watching, uh, <laughs> so funny. watching the Notion Twitter account was a little funny because they were clearly scrambling to figure out how to uh, yeah. get their site back up. But so for all of Saturday, Notion was down and I panicked because, and I was like, I had a little group of people like I know someone who who uh, writes all of her novels in Notion. And so like oh, the two of us were like, oh, my God, <laughs> everything. does it have like an export? It does. And so I, and every I, once in a while, I have a couple exported versions of uh, old versions of a space between. But okay. like, I, it, it made me realize that maybe I should export the 2021 because I think the last one to export yeah. was the 2018 one. I have to say, I've been flirting with Notion a little bit and kind of just like seeing how it works with my own life. And it's very, it's, it's pretty cool. It's very good. So I am running a an Urban Shadows campaign for some friends. That that is what that's like what yeah. <laughs> manipulated me, convinced me into um, uh, into looking at it more seriously. And so, uh, yeah, I, I I looked into it. I was like, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to prep for the game with it because um, the last time I ran a game of Urban Shadows, it kind of got away from me <laughs> with like, I was trying to just do all the tracking in a Google sheet. Um, but you end up with like hundreds of characters and all. Yeah. And really it was the depths that got away from me. And so the thing that you yes. can do in Notion is create these like relational data. It's a relational database where you can say this character owes a debt to that character. And so then regardless of which so whenever you say like character a owes a debt to character b if you then go look at character b it'll have a section that says listed there character a owes this person a debt and so i was i'm going to be able to track all of our debts that way um, which is very cool and also uh is very geeky sounding yeah oh and yeah. i was just reflecting for a moment that we are the uh, rpg design podcast that talks both about sports and relational databases. Yeah. I, I yeah. mean, I can turn this around into me throwing shade on someone if that's more on brand for us. Um, <laughs> because I looked into... Uh, 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 Notion has some templates that they use that they offer up. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I searched for tabletop gaming like to see if anyone else had like set up a template for tabletop gaming. And the one template that they have that they were that I was able to find was put together by or someone <gasps> adjacent. Uh, okay. And it's awful. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I said, nope, not going to do that. Going to make my own. Um, and it's been pretty good. I've been really enjoying it. I've been really enjoying uh, running. I just did. I So I just like created I spent like a week creating characters um, it's been really great, especially for a game like Urban Shadows. We're tracking like what circle yeah. are they in, what faction are they in, what who do they owe debts to, that sort of stuff is all really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I I last played Urban Shadows when it was um when it was Urban Shadows one. Yeah. And so my understanding is that there's been some stuff that has helped out to oh, yeah. improve the amount of npcs you're making yes they um npcs have have a have a like everyone everyone in npcs and pcs all have a status now which represents yeah. like it's a one to three how do people in the circle know you like how well do they know you from yeah. like level one is like your people might recognize your name or your face and level three is like you're the queen of the fairies um, is it 
is it also like your love like this is gonna sound like i'm just asking <laughs> hey is that dog a dog um is it also status or is it just how well known you are um like, i mean it's a little bit of both if you are if you are a stat like if, if an npc is a status one then yeah. anyone else in that circle will recognize the name or their face okay if they're a level two when you say hey when you say to someone hey i'm looking for someone who can help me with x they might recommend a person that person to you it's like okay like level two is like recommend like you're the person that everyone goes to for x y or z and then level three is like everyone in the faction knows who you are because you are the top wizard you are the queen of the fairies so okay. like everyone is like and then so you can throw that weight around and so basically what it says then is like if you have less than a status one you are a goon you're just like a move yeah and and the put a face to the name move it doesn't apply so you can't oh, like okay. you can't put a face to a name with a random mook like enforcer for the the fairies or yeah, some like low level wizard. And so he kind of like says those NPCs can exist in the game but like because they're not playing the like political game, we're just not going to track them. You don't need to write down their name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Or you can write then down their name but like it's not going to mean anything to anyone. Yeah. And so like you'll probably even if you are talking to them often. Yeah. Uh, they are less important than the reason that you're talking to them. Yeah. Now, that said, we still have not... We just did a session zero. We have not played a session one yet. I already have 22 characters. <laughs> so... Um, some of that is because one of my players fleshed out the whole royal family of the fairies. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, that does, uh, that's like um the legacy in Masks. Yeah. We that you, that. you start the game out and you've got like, oh, right, overall we've got four players and we've got three NPCs and now the legacy's here. Here's another <laughs> six. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Seven minutes into this but podcast. <laughs> Let's what? pivot. I said seven minutes into this podcast. Maybe we pivot towards what I wanted to talk about, <laughs> which is. Well, this is related because. It's related. Um, oh, that's interesting. Sounds like you got a whole bunch of NPCs. Uh, the way Passion handles NPCs <laughs> is uh, with play sets mm -hmm. uh, where they're introduced on there or the cards. But like, you know, that's a different kind of way of handling it. But on the play sets, which are similar to city hubs. Yeah. Well, Let's and this talk actually about hubs. This comes back to um I I don't know the veracity of the quote, but everyone I think it's I think it's I think it's Vincent Baker that everyone keeps attributing this to is um basically said that he didn't believe that playbooks were going to be as big of a thing coming out of Apocalypse World and like is surprised that everyone now thinks that playbooks are a thing that is uh an essential part of a PPTA game and yeah. My take on that take is the thing that I'm surprised about is not that playbooks are like became this a huge part of the game, but that playbooks are so restricted to the um this like this playbook is then represents the character that you are playing mm, as opposed yeah. to like the play sets in in Passion or the city hubs in Urban Shadows, which are basically playbooks. Yeah. But just... Or be before anyone asks us about it, or the uh, the factions in uh, Blades in the Dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Blades like, in the Dark isn't play isn't BBTA. Yeah. Um, like me. I think uh, uh, there's, a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a city or a, there's a neighborhood playbook in um, Hydro Hackers, so like mm -hmm. now games are starting to to uh to build out on that and but that was like the thing that um that I and so and so like in a conversation I had with some people on Discord I threw out this pitch of like you could almost have a whole game a whole PBTA game where there were like lots of playbooks but yeah. they weren't representative of the characters that the players were playing I absolutely agree I I've actually been tinkering i'm always tinkering on something yeah. i'm never producing anything <laughs> um that's what this podcast is about actually yeah that's true actually uh with an idea based on that for basically npcs as hubs because mm -hmm. because i think that that's kind of like how my brain like is conceptualizing this is that it, like a playbook is what your character is 
and a hub is a location that characters go to, a space that characters enter. Yeah. That gives you a, a change of how the game is running. So why don't we really quickly, I'll talk about how how um, the hubs work in Urban Shadows 2. And then Sounds we good. can talk about how NPCs work. Because I, So basically, um, if you think about, this is I think where, this is like the core of what I was thinking about. Which is, playbooks are at their core a collection of elements. They're a collection of game elements that do things. This is the most generic description of a, they're, they, they're, they're a, they're a collection of elements that do things. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. Surprising. I think you just defined so, the game too. <laughs> in the way, so like a typical playbook in masks or monster of the week or whatever, they'll have things like um, descriptions about the characters. They'll have things like, moves for that character some of them will have features but features tend to be like unique things for that playbook um you'll have like stat trackers and stuff like that um but there but there's no reason why you have to limit it to that and so um in urban shadows 2 you have location hubs which are uh hotbeds of of whatever and so like the generic the one in the in the quick start is the university it's so that so and basically it, it kind of says there you will so it establishes a couple things it establishes anchors which are characters that hang out in that area who yeah. you have who like who are those the, who are those status two characters that everyone would know so like the top character is a um, a professor who is a who is secretly a wizard who teaches literature to mortal students. And so, like, everybody knows about this professor who is a teacher on campus. And so if you were right. looking for a wizard, you could go to the university and find them. Some people will have specific relationships with those characters, but everyone knows who they are. Um, right. At least everyone who's in the know. Yeah, everyone who's in the shadows know. has some of that. You then have you relationships, which are just sort of more bonds that hook you into to events and things that happened with that city hub. And then you have moves that are like specific things like uh, you have a friend in the science department. So when you hit the streets to look for information about strange and magical phenomena on the university campus, you can use the science department and its, and its resources to do that. And so you can roll with mind instead of whatever right. it is normally. Oh, instead of circles. And so that's giving you a a reason to go there and do things and have it feel like a place that is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have gone there. And so that that's sort of when then I said, well, you could flesh this out. And like I like the way that um, Passion does NPCs where you have – and like so besides just sort of descriptions and drives, NPCs also have hooks, which are things that let you sort of gain control. yeah of those NPCs and then they have a move related to them because yeah, exactly in, in this quick start for, uh, for urban shadows, the NPCs are just, there's just a description and what circle they're part of. And then maybe they owe you a debt, but there's no reason why you couldn't flesh them out to each have their own move. Oh, totally. And even, uh, even the Pasión los Pasiones NPCs are designed to be really small and lightweight, yeah. you know, like you could, depending upon the game that you're running, uh, take that concept and like expand it out more. Some people have asked, like, you know, do NPCs have conditions like they do in masks? Because masks NPCs have conditions, and in this case, no, because they're not antagonists, right? Um, I would argue also NPCs in masks don't have conditions. Yeah, no, they've got the <laughs> amount of time that you feel like having the yes. fight. Yes, and, and then, then when enough time has gone by, them. you cut it. <laughs> just like in D anD D, that yes. things have enough HP that then you're done, and you you just kind of yeah. stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Masked NPCs have conditions the same way that D and D characters have a certain number of arrows. In theory, exactly. we're tracking it, but no one does. Yeah, and and let's be honest. You how, how much HP D and D bosses have also? Because uh, if you chose too low and your players killed it in the first turn, uh, it has more. It turns out yeah, it has a second form actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like all of that is just the. Up close street magic of <laughs> being a GM. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, what other features like, do do um, the do the playbooks? So you have or you have play sets in yes. Passion. So, what other sort of like features besides some NPCs 
do they have? I'm so glad you asked. I would like to know. Yeah, because I knew ahead of time you were going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for playsets, it's about, uh, this sets up your entire show. And so the idea is that like, this is almost, it's almost like a module. Uh, so it has like a description of what the idea is, uh, a description of where you are in the show, uh, the, some advice for setting up your, uh, introduction, which is like the little lines that you say that you quip out while you're doing the telenovela introduction, mm-hmm. uh, questions to tie your characters to the place. Uh, and then that's all like the, the stuff that builds it. Right. And there's also like some things that it's like, uh, descriptive words, colors, sense motifs in that location. Uh, just mm-hmm. because that, I think that's helpful as a GM because it has a couple locations for it because Pasión de Pasiones shouldn't be super far reaching. Like, yeah. You you could do a West Marches game. It would be weird. <laughs> uh, and so, like having a couple locations basically ties that up. And, and it then of, it's it does the same sorry, thing. If I understand correctly, it does the same thing that Urban Shadows does, which is kind of it. Urban Shadows is more about yeah. here is this specific location, but it's kind of that like if you are sort of like thinking for two seconds and you don't have a good place to set the next scene, it gives you something to reach out and say, here is the tone. Here's a color palette. Here's uh, a a Mm -hmm. rough area. Um, Here's a, here's like a location that you could set the next scene in. Let's just go. Here's a character that could be there. And it gives you something to make reference to in any custom moves you have. Mm -hmm. Um, So like La Rosa Nautica is the uh, kind of the default sort of setting. Uh, and it has the pool house and when you're, so that lets you know that there's a pool, which then makes it so that with your extra move that lets you strike out at someone while at a pool, you can mark a condition to throw them in the pool. <laughs> uh, and if they do that, if you do that, they can mark a condition to drag you in with them. And that's oh, super fun. Cause I it means you're, it's so much, that is maybe my favorite <laughs> move I've ever written. That is maybe my favorite it's so good because that's like even like i'm not super intimately familiar but like marking edition is still a pretty big deal to just do like something that feels like a pretty small thing um i so uh conditions are conditions are weird because they look like a big deal because you only have four of them and then you Mm -hmm. go into like this major meltdown but you want to go into major meltdown it's uh it is a it is a carrot disguised as a stick now ooh, uh, that's interesting yeah i like that um but yeah so it's got like two moves it has four npcs each of which has a move and so like in terms of moving parts that you get to use like new levers and buttons you get six new button uh five new buttons mm-hmm. uh which i think is is nice because you don't want like a thousand new things to do because otherwise you won't do them yeah now the only diff- like big difference between playsets in in passion and city hubs and yeah. is that really with passion my understanding is you're supposed to have one playset exactly because it's, it's uh, describing probably the not tv show you have yeah like is there a possibility that you play through one for a while and then you go like all and then all of our main characters <laughs> decided to get on horses and go to a ranch like yeah i guess uh, it could be great that sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of fun but that's not your normal user experience, right? You might expand uh, by adding NPCs, though. Oh, totally, yeah. Because, like, you'll potentially introduce new NPCs that you've invented. If you need a new NPC, you might just, like, draw a card from the deck. Because there's the NPC deck. Uh, but and, and all of those also have the same setup of the hook and the move and everything. Uh, and you can have NPCs without hooks and moves. But, like, eventually at your table as a GM, you're probably going to want to write those in for anybody that you come back to all the time. If we've got, like, a super hunky barkeep, we want to know what cool thing that super hunky barkeep can do. But, yeah, so, like, so what this does for Pasión is it makes it so that each game is a little different. Mm -hmm. um, If you're sitting down and playing different playsets, as opposed to, like, the city hubs that are giving... Like a different play experience within a single game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, one I, is a module, one's a dungeon. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Uh, so I yeah. I, so I've had this thought. 
I, I want to follow this through that I, I sort of started forming yeah. out earlier today um, of like one of the things that I've heard people say is that um, PBTA, because of the way that playbooks work, uh, you're not doing that thing where you're like referencing something and then writing, filling out a customized thing on your own character sheet. Um, okay. Like you're not like writing down feet descriptions or something. Yeah. Or you're not like, like you're, you're it, people. I've heard people say that even though maybe they are creating a character out of a base off of a playbook doesn't feel like you're customizing it as much as you would like as, as much as creating like a, uh, a like D&D a character or yeah. a Pathfinder character does because you're, you're yeah. sort of, you're starting with a blank sheet and then writing things on. Um, Absolutely. There's way more mechanical customization yeah. in a more traditionally structured game. And no so, question. and so I had this thought about what if you made a PBTA game that had a whole bunch of playbooks, but the okay. playbooks represented facets of the game, facets of the story that were not characters, but still every player chose one. And then we built a sort of like a story around those things. And then you had your own character sheet that had information about you. And so like the example that I came up with was, what if you had a playbook that was the well of magic? which is basically it ends up being um, a little bit like, so it would, it would have a couple features. It would probably have some NPCs related to it who are people who are ancient wizards, people who are sources of magic, people who know about magic. And so by, by a player selecting the well of magic, uh, it brings those NPCs into the game. Um, You'd have a move or some kind of a thing about how do you seize magic to use magic for the first time? Um, okay. And so that if, so it, in theory, then we're playing this game. Magic is a thing in our world. And right. when I want to go use magic, I look to the, the well of magic playbook and I find the use magic move. And then I roll that move. Okay. And that I thought like an interesting thing that could be part of this is that you can then end up with like things that, that taint the well of magic like have a corruption track or actually I think it's more like having a doom track for the well of magic where when things go badly, when you seek too much power, when it feeds back badly, when you roll badly, you check a box in the track. Uh, Anyone, anyone who does this. Yeah. And so you have a unified group track about tainting the well of magic so that when, when the well of magic or when that track fills up, magic goes away interesting yeah i mean like you could have you can really all the things we put on playbooks you can stick anywhere else Mm -hmm. you know like you can you can hand someone a card that has the doom track information on it yeah or you can stick the doom track in the middle of the table uh and i think what is really interesting with that is seeing is making the decisions about what we're saying as a group what we're saying as world building and what we're saying is like a character individual choice yeah like if you as a player choose the well of magic does that just mean that it's there at the table Mm -hmm. does it mean that you have a connection with these people that use the well of magic uh does it mean that everyone needs to connect to it and this is so funny because i think you and i maybe have been having conversations surrounding this yeah because I've been working on like an almost identical <laughs> concept. So to me, if we so like I'm trying to I, I think the next step is I need to think about what other playbooks there could be. But like, yeah, so when well, the way that I have been assuming or thinking about it would be that as we sit down to then build what this world is like uh, yeah. or to build do our session zero. When I say, hey, I want to add the Well of Magic playbook. That's me yeah. saying I want to tell a story in a world that has magic and that magic is important to the story. Yeah. In enough that we're going to track it. And uh, maybe my character will do magic, but maybe, maybe I won't. Maybe you can, maybe you can reach for magic once in an important dramatic moment and find that I have already used it a lot and tainted it (laughs) a whole bunch. And now suddenly there's bad stuff there when you needed it. Um, And, and I've, I've chosen the nobility playbook. Because I'm interested in having, having some like uh, noble uh, 
what's wrong with me that I ran out of words completely right there? <laughs> Drama. Yeah. The yeah, word yeah, yeah. I was looking for. But, and so I think we could, we could, if you had a, it, that, you'd, you'd end up building out like a big storyline because in theory you could have, what like you could have a, a passion style playset that sort of defined the tone and genre of the TV show or media that we were, we were telling a story in. We'd have the well of magic playbook that says there's going to be magic. We'd have a nobility playbook that defines how the sort of political game works. And then maybe we have a, a city playbook that defines the neighborhood or like a couple small playbooks that have like a move or two and some, and some relationships for yeah. uh, different neighborhoods as we build out a little bit of a city. And now we have like a location, we have some themes, we have the overarching playset, uh, and that tells us all about what our story is about. And then none of that has anything to do with our characters. Yeah, um, that's that's really slick. I like that. And so it gives you then the ability to like build a system that then, then has a totally separate character building, character relationship uh, set up that lets you have blank character sheets if you wanted to then fill in information and stuff like that. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. You could even have like a game that your characters as they start out are relatively blank slate. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. in kind of like an OSR sort of feel that you are, you know, the person who has stumbled into this world. Yeah. And and the thing that I like about it is that it means and like cuz I was thinking about how you might start with one city hub in urban shadows and then add more as you go. Yeah. And I think that that works really well for this because in this world in which I, you and I have tainted all of the magic by doing too much magic and rolling really badly. And now the magic has tainted. And so instead of, instead of um, we've marked the whole track um, and it has sort of maybe flipped the page over. And so instead of having the like seize magic to wield it with, with whatever, with grace move, now there's yeah. a like um, recoil at the tainted hub of magic, whatever move, so that something yeah. bad happens to you every time you reach for the magic now. Or maybe that hub, or maybe that playbook goes away. Maybe now magic isn't in our world anymore. Maybe we've killed magic. And then maybe we decide we want to go on a quest to fix magic. And then if yeah. we do, we grab a new well of magic playbook and start over again. Or That's we slot something else in. Yeah, and I think that having some flexibility with what the different, like, kind of like genre hubs are. Yeah. Or not genre, eh, not genre hubs, like story hubs. Yeah. Uh, would let you have, like, an enormous amount of freedom. Like, if, if like, you had, I don't want to say, like, a garrison, but, like, if you had, like, the way of the sword yeah. that, like, you have like an element of this story is that people are of different levels of skill with swordsmanship and you can study up and become this incredible swords person then that could give you some moves mm-hmm. and like in terms of things that you do but it could also have like some status effects go like some status levels going on i just or it might like the imply thing warfare that just the thing that absolutely lights my brain on fire thinking about this is the idea that you could have playbooks that are things like the concept of magic. Yeah. And also a playbook that is like, here is the city you're in. Yeah. And then like the one I just thought of right now is like, what if you just had the hero's journey as a playbook? <laughs> it would work. I think that there's no reason you couldn't construct that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, so you say, hey, we want to go. Like, if you say, hey, we accidentally killed magic. Let's go on an adventure to solve magic and like bring magic back to our world and the, and the MC or somebody just slaps the let's go like hero's journey playbook on the table. And it's like, all right, let's go. Like you've got to check through this track, this hero's journey track by, and here are some moves you can do. That's fascinating. That's really interesting. This is simultaneously so similar and so different from what I've been goofing around with for like how, the social side of the Musketeers. Which is how all of our design goes. It's always yeah. very similar and very different. And very different. Because <laughs> what I was looking at in was um kind of going characters are like they get some they get their battle skills, whatever, but like there wasn't like a social aspect. And I realized that's because social skills don't matter in the three musketeers. 
what matters is relationships and the scenes you have. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that players grab a couple of moves that are like you know, their tricks, their abilities for fighting. And then they have things like, oh, I'm going to grab the rivalry playbook. And the rivalry mm-hmm. playbook introduces my terrible rival and it adds a bunch of information about them. We flesh them out a ton. They get some relationships to other players. And then we move on to uh, someone else who chose the Great Love playbook. And the Great Love playbook has like the whole, all the rules involved in like uh, your courtship and everything like that. With the intention that basically you progress the story by progressing the different NPCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. You've got your Dark Shame playbook. And like, so those each are about one of the characters because it's like kind of your primary plot line. But it's also introducing one of like the five dramatically important NPCs that exist in the world, period. Like that of these, if you've got four players, there's four NPCs that matter more than any other NPCs because they are the things we have decided to focus on. Yeah. But it's the same idea, right? That Mm -hmm. you're going like, what are we interested in telling our story about as opposed to what do I want to do? to interact with the story. Well, and I, and I think that like in my version of this, where playbooks are anything like, yeah, there's no reason why we couldn't have why, when we, when we are assembling the game and sitting down to do our session zero, we couldn't have a playbook that is like the concept of magic and also a playbook that is, I want to have a rival. Oh, totally. And maybe you have a couple of the rival playbooks because maybe we each decide we want to have a rival. We want to play in a world that has politics and and magic and also each of us have a rival. Yes. uh, And I have selected uh, formal dances. And so this is going to be entirely formally dancing with our rivals. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and then and because those playbooks then just sort of because something like the rival playbook or the, the the grand romance playbook just point to an NPC, you just kind of yeah. like dock an NPC card onto the onto that little like half playbook, and now, or you build or it is a deeper NPC, oh, right? Her, an yeah. NPC that has more mechanics because they're an NPC that you've decided you're going to be talking with all the time. The NPCs uh, at the Well of Magic individually matter less than the Well of Magic does. As yeah. opposed to your great love yeah. that is extraordinarily important that everything is about them. <laughs> but it probably, the great love has got to introduce at least another NPC or two. Yeah. You know, you, you got, if the you, other person you can't have, with them. The, yeah, you, the, your, your rival for their affection or yeah. the their, that killed their family. Their, exactly. So we've, we've designed the same thing. Yeah. It's basically yeah, yeah, yeah. what it comes down to. I, I continue to just be really fascinated with this idea of, of of um because this i guess this is the other thing is that so right now in most pbta games playbooks are sort of relatively the same size is if that makes any sense like they are they are the kind of character you play or they are uh, a location in the world they tend to have like a, a set of stats and a whole bunch of moves and stuff associated with them and i like the idea that not only could we mix up the t- the kind of thing like the genre of playbook but also the yeah. size like why aren't there small playbooks and large playbooks and like that's all fine like maybe we like i mean basically like if you have a i mean to take it back to your dungeon thing like maybe you have a dungeon playbook that is like here is two moves relative like specific to this dungeon and here are some np like here's the one npc who's in the center of it and uh and and then some couple like moves related to treasures that's all fits yeah. on like an index card and is like a mini playbook just for that well, thing what's nice about all of this is also that it's it's a little bit tool set ish. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you wrote this well of magic thing, you probably do want to tie it to some kind of stats. You know, like you probably want to inv- involve currencies of some kind. Sure, but there's no reason that couldn't be a really easy rewrite to masks or to apocalypse world or to pasión. You know, yeah. Like it depending upon what you're trying to do, this could. This could be either a toolbox that clicks on top of other stuff, or it could be a way to write modules. Mm-hmm. 
or it could be its own entire system that everybody is picking a thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, we have long, we've, we've said before, but like, you can write a module by writing a move that instead of using stats has you ask questions. Oh, true. Yeah. <laughs> and then it can plug into anything. That's uh, true. Although it won't be able to interface with your currencies automatically. No, no, no. But, but maybe it doesn't need to because. True. Yeah, it could be fully, fully narrative. Yeah. I, I, I need to, I need to play around with this more because I don't know what, I don't know what genre I want here. And the other thing is also with this is it lets people like in, in, in the continuing story of how can we uh, create more spaces for people to write and sell things. Uh, yeah. It gives people the ability to say, hey, I, I can't write a whole character playbook, but I can write yeah. a description of what magic looks like and two moves and then put three dots in front of it. <laughs> And like, boom, there's a there's a, 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 a magic playbook um, for a game that we can that, that we can tack on. Like, maybe you don't like my vision of magic that has a well, a well of power that can be tainted. We want a different kind of magic. Um, yeah. So are you thinking that this also gives like basic moves? Um, perhaps. Yeah, I think I think it probably does. I you know okay. I think that it probably does because I think because again I'm imagining uh like I, I guess there might be some basic basic moves yeah um but like I think that a lot of this takes the form of we sit down to do our session zero and decide what kind of game we're gonna play and if we're yeah. not and if like no one chooses the the like martial combat playbook or whatever or a playbook that involves. Like if you pick the Three Musketeers playbook or whatever that looks like, um, I've turned your whole game into just one playbook. Um, yeah, thanks. But if like <laughs> that'll like, be way easier to write. Like if you if you were to <laughs> if 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 we were going to have a playbook that summed up what Three Musketeers was, it would probably have some kind of a martial move because everybody swashbuckles. Yeah. And so then now you have a basic move. So you like I think like the way that like the 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 university city hub in in Urban Shadows has two moves that are specific to when you were in that space. But there's no reason why it couldn't have another move like if it wasn't just related to a specific location, there's no reason it couldn't have two moves that are very specific to doing the thing and then one sort of basic move that just adds a new basic move to the game. Totally. Yeah. I'm I'm getting some vibes of uh of Chimera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Do it's, you know Chimera? You, I, of course I haven't you know I haven't I'm familiar with it. I unfortunately have not read it yet. Um but yes, I uh, think just to give the description, Chimera is a PBTA game coming out. It's uh by Ryan Boltler and Amara Maraz. And it is a game where you are combining different genres to play one game. Yeah. And so you might grab uh superheroes and horror or fantasy and horror or uh magical girls I know is one of them. Mm-hmm. I I I know I'm missing some of their their genres, but uh you basically grab them and put them together and like each of them gives different basic moves, gives different character mm-hmm. assumptions, all of that. And this seems to me like it is uh like it's less broad strokes and that you're saying yeah. like one specific like you might concept. have you might have uh you might have a playbook that is magical girls that has like a transformation move and an evil space villain move or an, an evil space villain npc and something like that like things that lay out the framework for how to tell a magical girl, girl story but they're yeah. th- and they're there for you to reach out and touch and grab if you need for your game but they're not necessarily part of it um but then you like i think i think the key to what i want to make is that there is a variety of sizes of playbooks in terms of scales from like physical objects all the way up to and then locations all the way up to concepts interesting so i'm writing what i'm realizing yeah you're writing gurps (laughs) um which is not a bad thing no um, there, GURPS has a definite space within the RPG scene, and having a GURPS that is less math fiddly is not a bad thing. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit more narrative based. Um, but 
I think that basically, you know, really what it comes down to is figuring out what is the core mechanic. Like, what is what is the assumption that is on the table at all times, you know? Do I have to have um, one of those? Probably. I mean, isn't... What like, if my core you need assumption... You have, like, a structural assumption. My core assumption is that we will build a core assumption based off of the playbooks we include. But so you need... You need to have a way to interact with the world when you're not directly interacting with one of the core assumptions. Let's say we're playing like a three-player game. Mm -hmm. uh, one GM, two players, and the players each chose a playbook, and we wanted to keep it like a little ten, uh, like a little tightly condensed. Um, and you picked uh, Well of Magic. I picked uh, Great Romance. Mm -hmm. That leaves an enormous amount of the world unmechanized. I guess that's fair. And so, like, that, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. There's plenty of people that like unmechanized games. Uh, I don't think that you like unmechanized games. Yeah. I mean, uh, and I could be totally wrong. I don't like unmechanized games. The best part of this game, games. Brandon, is when you're not rolling the dice. Yeah. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, I had to vomit for 45 minutes. James, James just watched me vomit for 45 minutes. Uh, that's, I hate that so much. Um, but, like, yeah, like, you can have that. You could go, like, hey, everything that isn't about these things doesn't matter. I, so, I, I think that... Go into a dungeon, that's fine, is there, nothing will happen. Can I ask you this question? <laughs> is there a meaningful distinction between there isn't a mechanic or we didn't care to learn it and so we just decided not to roll the dice? Yeah. And anything that isn't mechanized by a move, your character can just do. I don't think there's a meaningful which difference. Is, which is kind of the, like... Which is kind of the thing that a lot of PBTA games have, which is like, if there isn't a move, not really, because because they, they all have the def the defy danger move. Mm, all right, you know, That's like fair. every 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 game has act under pressure, and like, could you just say, if it doesn't have a thing, then act under pressure? Absolutely. Yeah, that would get pretty boring though. But that would get, yeah, then you kind of have given up the advantage so maybe, of the PBTA system. Maybe you need, um, maybe you need to have classes of playbooks. And so, like, like if you, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. Like, you'd have, like, things that are characterized as, like, core level playbooks. Things that give okay. you some basic moves. Things that give you some settings and genres and stuff like that. You always have to have at least one of those to define the basic way. Like, is that the, um... Are we telling, like, a, a, a an 80, or, like, a, a, or like early 2000s family comedy uh, type show? Or That's so specific. Or are we... <laughs> Are we telling a uh, people going on a, a hero's journey adventure type uh, thing? My gut says that what you need basic moves for, or like a basic structure mm -hmm. for, is what you want the game to basically be like. Because the all of these, Well of Magic, anything else like that, is going to work better in a genre that it's aimed towards. Yeah. So like... If we're trying to figure out this this magic system, everything like that, it is going to work better in an adventure game than it will in a sitcom. Well, and the ice cream shop down the street, like the the soda jerk, will uh, work better in the sitcom than in the adventure setting. And so, like, could you do it? Yeah, absolutely. But the more things that are exclusively decided at the table, the less refined your mechanics will be overall. Mm. Because like basically if, if you have, if you have a system that like four out of five of the things are just like, as we design stuff are adventure things and the players decide that they're going to do, um, I don't know, a high school story. Uh, or like a school of magic mm -hmm. and hang out and play with their friends. Uh, I think the, the, what was it called balance for them? I was going to say on the balance, 
Uh, no, am- look, amnesty is the third one. Graduation. You, you won't graduate from the good mechanics. Uh, just like, you know, the mechanics will inform the story. And so, like, is it possible? Yes, absolutely. But you'll spend so much time writing so many things to make it generic. Hmm. You know? I don't see. I don't think that I want. Like, I don't. I don't think that my intention is that it's generic. I think that it's it's highly specific in a very modular way. Yes, and I think that that's okay. I I think that what you should do is say this is a system that does adventure stories, mm-hmm. or this is a system that does romances, or this is a system that does sitcoms. But this is a comedy system. Why can't and then those things be playbooks? Because you need a core. Right, those are the core. And because you need to write all of these. Right. And then you need to make them compatible with all of the things. Mm, all right, that's fair. I see that, yeah. So, like, if if someone chooses the, I want, if someone chooses the dueling square as an important place, then you'll have really nice support built in for if you have the adventure starter. Mm-hmm. If you have the sitcom mm. starter you're you don't have the support already in place sorry now or I'm just re- they're the same thing now i'm just really hung up on this idea of what if what if every time bob saget tried to kick kimmy gibbler out of <laughs> their house she reached for the well of mad dark magic <laughs> go go ahead and make a make your initiative checks yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Um, and so, like, like I'm not saying that it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's something to think about. What is the core just, there? Yeah, because I think, and, like, there's nothing wrong with having a core that's, like, a little accessible. Like, we we are in this tiny, tiny, I, I am the guy that wrote the telenovela RPG. Mm-hmm. But if I were writing an RPG looking to get a lot of content made for it, I'd aim for fantasy. You know? Yeah. Uh, that's where the... Hate huge majority so of the what i hate fantasy so much then why did you choose the well of magic because it was an easy example oh because it's an easy example because yeah. the thing that fits in logically to what RPGs i like are. i like the problem is i like a lot of the trappings <laughs> of fantasy but i don't like the the stories that fantasy things tell and i think that you don't need to necessarily tell the same stories i think that the hubs will give you the, your story in a lot mm-hmm. of ways um, because like, as we were saying, like having a great romance could be, could be a hub. Uh, but if you set it up that the basics are, if you set up that the basics are the trappings of fantasy, then it gives you a place to start from so that you can have like a, a move that is related to fighting, a move that is related to not getting hit with something. You got some HP, maybe you get a little bit of equipment. Yeah. I think I'm still... And it doesn't need to be much. Yeah. Like, you could even just have it be like, yeah, everybody has five times they can get hit. And here is the basic fighting move. Yeah. Mm. Here's how you get some information about stuff. You know, like, basically pull the dungeon world moves, make them uh, actually work a little bit better, and uh, go from there, you know? Yeah, but that might I, be boring I, and not what you want. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'm still a little skeptical that I think it wouldn't work. Um, keeping it more broad, it would be the kind of thing okay. that I would kind of want to try out and see. So, so, like, what moves do you think would be required to tell any story? I don't know. I can't think of any. So, like, you, you probably want, like. Because any this is this like, is the problem. My thought process is, that, like, is that any any kind of any big thing, any like like you just like like a basic combat move or something like that. Like yeah. if we're playing a story that has combat, we know that yeah. because there is a playbook that someone else chose that deals with the kinds of combat we're gonna have. I mean, not necessarily. Like like let's say you chose the Well of Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose Romance, um, and. Uh, third player chose uh, the bustling street merchant yeah. place. That's a game it's that like doesn't all have about combat. haggling. Yeah, uh, and then uh, someone steals something from us, and we're chasing them down, and we're like, "I want to tackle them." 
I mean, that wouldn't happen. You wouldn't do that. That would be bad GMing because the characters have told you that they want to talk about romance and a bustling yeah, metropolis. Yeah, but, and But then the player says to you, like, I, I punch this guy. You say, why? Why did you say that? Stop it. Because <laughs> You physically really hit making, your friend. Because, because you, James, <laughs> are frustrating me. That's <laughs> so I'm going to punch you. No, um, so like, like someone so like, starts getting, you know, like, because people, people, that's players fair. don't make decisions. You, you can't guess what decisions players will make, mm-hmm. you know, like, and that's why PBTA games have a generic. So like, okay, I guess that move, usually um, the way that I would solve that or the way that I would say that practically you would solve that is your well of magic playbook has a what happens when you reach for magical for magical powers beyond the moral kin or whatever. And yeah. you could use that move to maybe grab the person and, to, and like prevent them from running away. Your bustling metropolis might have a who do you go to when things go bad? Like, is there a police force? Is there a, is there, are there detectives? Are there, is there a sheriff? Like, how can you solve a problem uh, that you need sort of infrastructure from the city to help? And then yeah. maybe the romance probably doesn't have anything to relation to do with that. And then if you just want to, if you want to tackle someone, then I think that falls into the category of the game doesn't have a rule for it. So you succeed because we're not interested. Okay. We're not, we're not interested in telling a story in which you can't succeed at tackling someone because tackling something is not the focus of our story. So why? But because if we've said that the focus of our story is romance, city stuff and magic, and we're trying to do one of not do one of those things, then we're not interested in the outcome of you failing. But I feel like that there, like there's so much that won't be covered. Like let's say someone is trying to feel like, Hey, is this person lying? to me and you don't have an obvious move from one of those things that tells you if someone is lying to you then you just you just know every single time cool yeah uh if you want to know or you the don't historical know. information about something but again now we're going like this is non-mechanized we're just not touching dice why but also we should not have something useful yeah hmm you know like because like there's nothing wrong with saying uh with saying like this is outside the scope of the game but you're gonna need to provide an enormous amount of content in each of these things and you're gonna need to get real lucky for them to overlap in a way that you're able to do anything you know yeah i yeah that's where i i i see what you're saying um because like because there's actions like i want to drive a car that it's like it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. yes or no but then there's actions that do matter like what uh, i want to but like they might not have been what the designer thought of when they were putting it together yeah i guess my question is why if we haven't selected a playbook that covers it and gives us a move for how to solve it why do we yeah. care how it's solved? Because the designer didn't anticipate that it was going to be important or there's an expectation mismatch. So like, uh, I choose the romance playbook, right? Uh, and I want to, uh, like, I know I've got a romantic rival mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm searching through someone's stuff to look for, to look to see if there's any, uh, evidence that they've been receiving love letters from their rival. Uh, and I don't have a move to search. I don't have a move to look for information. I don't have a move to gain mm-hmm. information. That might have been something that you didn't think of That's when you're making the romance playbook, you know? But is that not in four out of five romance right, that's things? Fair. Yeah, I can see that now. Yeah, it's interesting. It's just a scope question. I think, and I mean, maybe the question, maybe the answer is, you have a generic move, and everything keys off of that generic move, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. It's just not very PBTA. Yeah, and roll, it doesn't have roll to be a d20. PBTA. Yeah, and then there's roll a d20. There's difficulty fans. classes. Whatever that works. Totally, you could make this entire thing D and D compatible. <laughs> yeah, just make it so that there's, I, th- I think that I, I you don't choose a class. You don't choose a race. I think that you just get the things. I think that to some extent, the answer should be. Um, 
I think I think that in that scenario in which like you are investigating your lover's uh, bedroom, trying to find some secret piece of information about them, I think that yeah. the first question should be: Is this a thing that's going to come up more than once? Do you think that? Do we think that we're going to continue trying to do this because there's a? Is there a big mystery here? Because if the, yeah. if the answer is yes, there's a big mystery, then maybe we go grab the big mystery play set, and then they, okay. then it has the moves for us, and we just sort of as we need them grab other playbooks. Yeah. And if the answer is it's not, this is just a one-time thing, then the best we th- then we danger. just decide what happens based off of what's best for the story. Oh. Because we're not interested in you failing that role because Right, but we might be interested in me being caught. Right, but then we decide that. We do whatever we were interested yeah. in. Yeah. I mean, I probably Yes. Ha- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we didn't touch the dice. James, we yeah. didn't even touch the dice. Yeah. <laughs> But not, but not by. We we veered a little bit off of what we thought the theme was going to be. Yeah, we had an enormous fighting adventure. We went into a dungeon. We slayed a dragon. We didn't even touch the dice. <laughs> an errant roll on our well of magic sent us on an epic quest that we didn't have to touch dice for. Feels like a little bit weird, you know. Yeah, I mean, hmm, because you almost I mean, may- maybe that is you just fast track through it. Yeah, my I mean, my gut says that if it's not on one of the playbooks, it's not something we said we were interested in. And if it's on a different playbook that we haven't brought in, but it is something we're interested in, we just grab that playbook. And so we almost what we almost need is not a move. It's a move that like you that just like pulls you back towards the. You're one of your other playbooks. I don't mm. know. I don't, that thought didn't really. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, no, I see what you're saying. That that's that's an interesting way to think of it. I'm 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 hung up on. I I think that it is. I think that there the playbooks will have basic moves, and those will cover most of the things if you are staying on genre and the things that you said you were interested in. In this is a game that is like highly dependent on its session zero. And if you, that, if you that's going to mean, and if you run into play, things that you didn't cover in your session zero, then you do just pull in another playset uh, yeah. or playbook or whatever, because now you're you're merging into that kind of a story. So each playset's going to have two or three or four. I mean, some of them will. Some of them will be moves. depends on the scale. Some of them, like like the the hypothetical like um, bustling metropolis, will probably have a yeah. bunch of basic moves. Um, and some specific okay. moves the like the well of magic one probably has one basic move okay i don't know i i need to i clearly this, need this to think more about this yeah because like i i don't know to me i think the idea of having hubs that you stick on top of stuff mm-hmm. is like is brilliant yeah because it takes your concept where you're starting off and it says this location, this setting, this part of the experience that we're doing is different in these ways. Yeah. Yeah. But if you have nothing to compare it to, mm. I feel like it starts to get weird because it starts to get to a point that it's like, we're doing something we didn't anticipate. And so we need to run to the printer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's you fair. Know? That's fair. Like, just like in terms of like scope, it gets really difficult if there's, if there's no skeleton for it. Yeah. I can see that. But maybe the skeleton is super simple. Maybe the skeleton is like, hey, you are people that sometimes do adventure things. That means we've got to move for fighting. We've got to move for figuring something out. And we've got to move for uh, looking at stuff. And then everything, because like, you know, like you've said, PVTA games only need four moves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you've got like a basic physical task move mm-hmm. which might be fighting physical might not stuff be. and mental stuff you've well, got like a mental stuff but do a social physical move stuff. your brain's part of your physical yeah you, you've got uh use a part of your body <laughs> yeah. in any way including your brain <laughs> okay okay what about what if you had a playbook <laughs> for your fingers and a playbook for your arms and you had to build out a whole playbook for your whole body and then I don't know where I'm going with this. I took uh, three head playbooks because I <laughs> wanted to have three heads. 
<laughs> and, if, yeah. and if you fail any of these rolls, it's going to go bad. Lose that body part. Over. Can we make? Yeah. Can we make? Um, what is it? Quop, Qwop, whatever the Quop. the the PBTA game. I was going to say, is this Mr. Potato Head the PBTA game? Could be that too, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, I think we I think we came really close to a really good idea, yeah. and then veered off into some very bad ideas. Yeah, I think we maybe did. Um, so, but I'm interested in this. I, I'd yeah. love to see. I'd love to see where this goes. Um, I think one of the things I think that I'm going to do, like low key, as we as I run this Urban Shadows game, is start to. Yeah. So we have one central hub that is is called Newcastle Square. Um, that is the central square where like people who are who are in the know about the supernatural kind of hang out. But I think that like very quickly, one of the one of the characters is a vampire. And we've established that vampires in the city like do one thing really well, which is own nightclubs. And so okay. <laughs> I think we're going to have a nightclub city hub. But that nightclub city club nightclub city hub doesn't make sense for it to have the same form. So first of all, it doesn't make sense for it to have relationships because it's going to be added to the game after we've already established a lot of our relationships. Right. And so you don't need that. I don't know that it makes sense for it to have moves. It might have one move. Um but I think that it needs to have more robust NPCs of people who show up as regulars to the club. Yes, I agree. And so I might build... You know what you could do? Stick a pool in that nightclub. Take the Pasión pool move. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 When you fall in, you get embarrassed and you lose strings. <laughs> um, interesting. 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 Yeah. 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 So I think I might try to mess around with that a little bit um, and see how it goes. Yeah, I, I think you could also like think about what like as you're running one of these hub scenes, see how often you use the basic moves. Yeah. And like see if in a hub are you still using basic moves? Well, for, for Urban Shadows, you don't get any basic. You don't even really get any um you don't get any moves. You get these things that modify current existing basic moves. At least for okay, the generic so hub. So, so for this hub, see if you're using if they're using moves that are not the modified moves, mm-hmm. because those the modified moves would be the ones that you're setting up moves for. Yeah, yeah. And so if they're if they're not if they're if they're if it's really easy for you to predict what moves they're going to use, then you've solved that question, right? Yeah, interesting. And if they're not, if they're doing stuff other than those modified moves. In ways that are still interesting. Yeah. Then you might still need that skeleton in some way. Well, if you listening to this have thought of a basic action that I haven't, <laughs> tweet it at us. Um, I'm pretty sure we did all of them. Uh, there's only like six yeah. ways to do a story. Yeah. There's only, <laughs> it was our well of only... magic romance. <laughs> um, I mean, we are all just skeletons driving meat mechs. So as long as yeah. you have a drive a meat mech move, uh, then that's covered. You've covered everything. When you drive your meat mech. <laughs> Roll plus blood. Roll plus blood. <laughs> anyway, we are together at the Top Hack and Roll. And if you're very ashamed of me, uh, I am individually, I am at End the Meltdown. And my meat mech is over at B. Leon Gambetta. Uh our show, some of the stuff we've been working on, et cetera, is over at www.stopbackandroll.com. Do we still say that? Yeah. Cool. Also iTunes and Spotify. And also iTunes and Spotify. And wherever you can get up your podcasts. Yeah, that's all true. Yeah. Um, we make this podcast with support of our Patreon backers, and <laughs> whom we are very sorry. <laughs> and would like to remind that we are very sorry. Um, uh, specific people who would like to to apologize to <laughs> apologize to are people like <laughs> Lieutenant Tavern Tales, Refinder Assign, the You Trash Crew, Brett Vols, Nicholas Arudi, Michael Bowman, Mitch Moore, Penny Von Batavia, and Scott Paladin. We're very sorry to all of you for this episode <laughs> and how it went. Um, if you would also like to be a part a person who we disappoint regularly, you can check us out at patreon.com slash stop back and roll. <laughs> Brandon is making have... very d- upset. <laughs> disappointed faces at me <laughs> we, we also know that we have disappointed our community if you would like to c- connect with other people who've been disappointed by ah. this episode check out tinyurl.com
slash shr discord where we talk about all kinds of game design things and people talk about better game design things than we've been doing for 15 yeah. minutes it's the place where people listen to this podcast and then actually do some of the game design we talk about maybe doing yeah the the amount of games that have launched from that is uh significantly larger than the amount of games that have launched from <laughs> us uh well yeah um uh, so when you are in a vampire nightclub and you would like to tackle the person who has just stolen the something of value of the person who is your lover, um, you and you go to try to find a basic move, but there isn't one because the game designer didn't write one, then you will know that they forgot to stop, hack, and roll. Ha <laughs> <laughs>